heartbreak Houston as the Houston Rockets come up just short against the Golden State Warriors. Steph Curry hitting a buzzer beater to give the Warriors the win, a hard-fought game by the Houston Rockets. We're going to break it all down for you coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. With the second pick in the 2021 NBA Draft, the Houston Rockets select Jalen Green. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep getting better every day. I'm going to keep perfecting my craft. And every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Six. What's up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and also host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin, the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets. We sincerely thank you for making Locked on Rockets your first listen each and every day. Joining us now to talk about this, just, I mean, what a... What a way to end a game. Such an insane game against the Golden State Warriors. And it didn't end the way that we wanted it to end. But joining us now to break it all down for you is Brad LeBlanc at Brado MBA. You can follow him on Twitter. One of the amazing contributors from Apollo HOU. Brad, what a way to end this game, man. Like, of course, of course it had to end off of a Steph Curry buzzer beater. The first buzzer beater he's hit in his career really had to happen. yeah first one now he's oh, hit wow. like you know obviously like you know game game winning shots and stuff where there's been like time left on the clock but this is the first buzzer beater of his career it had to happen against the houston rockets man yes yeah, it's, it's on par with what would happen with Stephen curry and his history with the rockets uh, this is a crazy game the rockets fought the entire night showed a lot of you know greatness and toughness but when I saw Stephen Curry had the ball and when the shot was up, I saw maybe 1.5 seconds on the clock. And I was like, yeah, this shot's going in. So it's a tough loss, but I'm proud of how the guys fought today. I mean, it was a really hard fought, impressive game, obviously falling, you know, finally in, off the final shot from Curry 105 to 103. But just, you know, the way that those final kind of minutes went for this Rockets team, they went scoreless. That last, you know, three, it was like three minutes or so in the game. They didn't have a single bucket. They had, and they had some really quality, good looks. Christian Wood had like a wide open three at the top of the key. Garrison Matthews had that huge shot, which was wide open. The chance to, you know, have a three to put them up comfortably, a full possession ahead off of the inbounds play, which I think, Brad, there was a little bit of like the confusion, right, amongst Rockets fans as to what had happened during that inbounds play because I had everybody in my mentions wondering why the shot clock didn't reset to 14 seconds off of, you know, for that for that final possession for the Rockets. And apparently, and Jonathan Fagan cleared this up on the timeline, apparently what had happened is they charged the timeout to the Rockets before the foul had been whistled in that moment, which is why the shot clock didn't reset, which is so unfortunate because, I mean, even though the Rockets got like a really good look, like it would have been great to have just been able to wind down the clock all the way and not, you know, have the Warriors have another chance to, take the win or, you know, which is obviously what happened, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. That was a weird situation. I saw that take place and I was confused 
about what was going down. But um, this is what the looks the Rockets were getting late. Again, Christian Wood did have a good look at the top of the key. So you can't be mad at that. And then that Garrison Matthews, wide open look on the left side. You know, Garrison Matthews has been on fire the last two games, and he was hitting a lot of shots today at two and one three. So that's a, a shot that you would like to see as well. Just unfortunately, it didn't drop today. But yeah, it was it was a crazy it was a crazy situation with the, with the shot clock. With the oh, honestly, overall, the way this game felt, you know, we talked about about it being a hard fought game. Steph Curry, yeah, he hit the buzzer beater to to win this game, and of course, like it happens. But he he's been he was struggling coming into this game, and he still struggled in this game. Yeah, he finished with twenty two points, but it took him twenty one shots to get there. Six of twenty one from the floor, just four of thirteen from three. He had a couple turnovers. It, it really. The Rockets did an incredible job checking him all night. And you got to tip your cap to both Kevin Porter Jr. and Jay Sean Tate, who were giving Steph Curry fits for most of the evening. I mean, they were trailing him off of screens. They were guarding him really well man-to-man. Like, those two guys did an excellent job hounding him all night long, really making him work for those shots. So even though you walk away with Steph Curry hitting the game-winning shot— I think you do have to be proud of the defensive effort. And Steven Silas even commended Kevin Porter Jr. post game. I asked Steven a completely unrelated question to KPJ's defense. I asked him about KPJ's playmaking because now this is the second straight game where KPJ's had eight assists to just one turnover. And Steven Silas was like, yeah, I mean, you know, 16 assists to just two turnovers over, over the last two games. That's, that's great stuff. And then he followed up. But in addition to the playmaking, you know, I want to highlight his defense because he, he really felt like KPJ did an incredible job on that. And especially again, guarding Steph Curry, making him felt kind of forcing him into some tough looks, you know, following him on cuts, keeping his body glued to him, all of that. So I think you have to walk away really proud of the defensive performance from those two guys in particular. Yeah, I was extremely impressed by Christian Wood switching on to Stephen Curry early in the game. They contained them really well for the entire first half. Uh, third quarter, you have to know Stephen Curry and the Warriors are going to get it going. But uh, just like the defensive effort I saw from Kevin Porter Jr., that was one of the brightest things I saw about him going to the one. You know, he's a 6'6 guard with a 6'9 wingspan. So he's going to naturally be able to guard those ones pretty well. And I saw, I saw him play really good defense tonight against Stephen Curry. He was fighting over screens, played pretty solid on ball. I really liked what I saw, and then ultimately, like, from those two, like, what they were able to do to contain him, only 22 points on 21 shots, as you mentioned. You know, that's spectacular defense. You can't play any better on Stephen Curry. So, really great effort from those two guys. And I think, honestly, right, Brad, like, the mo- one of the most hype plays of the night, at least for me personally, was when, you know, just, you know, cookies, like, KPJ yeah. got, <laughs> the poke, got the poke check on Steph and then went the other way for the breakaway slam. I mean, he he's had a few of these this season where he's had, like, you know, he's checking somebody kind of at the top of the key, you know, or just after the half court margin. And he's like pressed up on him. And again, you, you highlight his, you know, his ridiculous wingspan. He's able to kind of get his hands in there and, you know, kind of deflect the ball a little bit. He's he's we've kind of seen him play some passing lanes here and there this season. He might, you know, maybe KPJ gambles a little bit more often than you'd like to see. But at the same time, he's got that wingspan. So he can kind of disrupt the plays of some of these smaller players. So in that moment, checking, you know, Steph Curry, getting that little tip and then going the other way with it. Like that was a pretty hype moment from this game. Yeah, it was a pretty hype moment from this game. And he had four steals in the night, I want to say. Had a lot of deflections that weren't steals. He was just showing great effort on both sides of the ball. I really liked what I saw from him. His uh, his demeanor on the court in these last five games, ever since he you know deactivated social media, he's really been killing it. And I've been loving what I've been seeing from him. You know, ultimately, 
I even tweeted out a stat today. I think he had, what, 17.8 points per game in the last five, 6.6 assists. As you said, he's keeping the turnovers down, only 2.6 per game. And defensively, he's averaging 1.6 steals a game in the last five. So he needs to stay off of social media uh, is what I'm saying. <laughs> right. I mean, and and not only that, like I do want to also highlight, uh, you know, Christian Woods play in this game because I, honestly he had a really solid, like just down the entire lineup. Like it felt like a lot of the Rockets had some really solid games. Unfortunately, there were a few Rockets that didn't have good games. Namely, again, we're going to have to talk about Jalen Green and the struggles that he had in this one. We're going to get there in just a moment after a quick message from our friends over at Truebill. Look, do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your hard-earned money. Download Truebill to finally take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is a new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. Look, I'll admit it. It's happened to me before. It's happened to everybody. On average, people save up to $720 per year with Truebill. Because companies make subscriptions so hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap, one click, one button press. It is that easy. Don't fall for any more subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now. That's Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands a year. That's Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. And another message from my friends over at Built Bar because it's the new year. So that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your New Year's plan. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Maybe, honestly, even better than a candy bar. Rich, decadent, covered in chocolate. So many amazing flavors to choose from. Strawberry, mint brownie, peanut butter, cookies and cream. My personal favorite, coconut brownie chunk. You can't go wrong with a single flavor on their menu. Low cal, low sugar, high, high fiber, high protein. These bars are incredible. They're the best protein bars you will ever try. And you can check them out. Just go to built.com and use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your very next order. Again, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, thank you so much for making Locked on Rockets your first listen each and every day. As a heads up, the NBA trade deadline is Thursday, February 10th at 3 p.m. Eastern time. And Locked on NBA will be covering it live from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Join Kim Becker, John Corrales, Locked on Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd, and NBA veteran Antonio Daniels and get analysis of every NBA blockbuster move. Subscribe to Locked on NBA YouTube and turn on your notifications so you know when they go live. And hey, if the Rockets do something at the deadline, you know I'm going to be there to talk about it. So definitely be sure to check out the NBA trade deadline show. We did it last year. I was one of the hosts for it. It's always a ton of fun. It's great to just kind of be in the in the audience, kind of vibing with other NBA fans. And you know, you got the Woj and the Shams notifications on. It's really cool. So be sure to check that out. Uh, continuing on here with Brad LeBlanc, breaking down this Rockets-Warriors game. Now, I do want to talk about Christian Wood here for a moment, Brad, because you highlighted his defense in segment one, which I do think has been kind of something that stood out to me over these last handful of games. Is It feels like Christian Wood and his like switching defense especially has been uh, better as of late, like more engaged, using at times his length a little bit better, being more aware of kind of keeping his distance on some of the smaller players and forcing them to, you know, using his length, I guess, to make them shoot over the top and kind of prevent those easy drives on him. So I think as a switch defender, he's kind of grown in that regard. Uh, but in this game, I mean, he finished with, you know, 19 points, 15 boards. He had four assists, two steals, two blocks. I mean, it was a, it was a monster night, honestly, for Christian Wood. And that was one of my goals kind of coming into this game for the Rockets is for them to have success against this Golden State Warriors team, 
you need a Christian Wood that's dialed in and effective offensively because then he's I feel like Christian was one of those guys where when he's locked in offensively and he feels like, you know, he's getting the touches he deserves and, you know, getting those opportunities, he's more locked in defensively. And I think we did see that tonight from him. Yeah, we definitely saw that from him tonight. And you can look at that last Rockets Warriors game that was out in Oakland. Christian Wood took one shot in the first half. He was completely checked out of that game. So it's a complete difference tonight when they're getting him going from the jump. I think the first play of the game, he came out and hit a three. So Christian Wood, he was getting everything he wanted today. And another thing that I noticed when the Rockets against the Jazz, they made it a priority to attack Rudy Gobert and get straight to the paint. I think they did the same thing today because the Warriors didn't have a prominent big down there. So they were getting to Christian Wood early, getting him in the paint. In that first quarter, I think he came out with like 12 points, I want to say. So Christian Wood, he was getting what he wanted early on, which is important to get him going and get him active on the defensive end because he is one of those guys. And for switching-wise, Christian Wood, I'm just looking at his frame, he never was going to be a good guy guarding bigs in the paint, but he's skinny, he's long, so he can hold his own at least a little better against some guards on the switch. But he's doing a lot better recently, I will say, than at the beginning of the season in that regard. You know, we we knew that this being uh, the, the Warriors team that it is, Holding them to to just 43 first half points was incredible. The Rockets had that, you know, I can't call it a cozy 11 point lead at halftime because again, it's the Warriors. You know they're going to make a run at some point, and that they did in that third quarter. They finished the frame 32, 33 to 22, outscoring the Rockets by 11 points. So they tied things up going into that final frame. But it was it really kind of felt like kind of that end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter, when the bench unit was still in that game, we saw some really impressive play out of K.J. Martin and Garrison Matthews. K.J. Martin, it felt like there was like that brief stint where it kind of felt like a K.J. Martin takeover, right? Mixed in with some intermingled, like some Gary Bird finesse in there with with the threes that he was hitting. But K.J. was all over the place in this game, and I mean that in, in every sense of the fact that he was defending at a, at a really quality level. Steven Silas has praised the steps that he's taken as a defender, not just, you know, obviously his help defense has been great. He's got the crazy, like, shot-blocking highlight reel, but he's really stepped up as a man-to-man defender. But in this one, he finished with 14 points, four rebounds, three assists, two steals, shot six of nine from the floor. Nice. Um, And I really felt like, especially with that bench unit, and this has been kind of like a common theme that I've noticed, Brad, that bench unit moves the ball so well. Like, they really embody and encompass that that full-blown like drive and kick swing the ball side to side like philosophy that Steven Silas has for this Rockets offense and when you see a guy like KJ Martin even getting into like the drive and kick and like creating for others those opportunities it's it's just really great to see the the offense kind of humming from that second unit yeah and I think that second unit moving so much is really based on Shingun because when you have a guy like that who's just able to facilitate on any spot of the court you need guys running and cutting at all times. And that's why you see KJ Martin and Shangun have an excellent connection on the court. If you're going to look at the end of the year highlight reel, you're going to see a million plays from Shangun and KJ Martin. And that's for a reason because KJ is active off the ball and Shangun's going to be able to find him. And as for today, KJ Martin really impressed me in that fourth quarter. I'm really impressed by his passing ability. Sometimes when he drives to the paint, he's able to kick it out. 
in this game he drove. I it's think not pretty. It's not pretty. Like we're gonna be, yeah, we're gonna be very upfront about it. it. They're not pretty drives. Like I'm talking like KJ Martin has like the 2K like dribble one package, like whatever. Like he is not pulling out any like KJ Martin's got the dribble one package. Eric Gordon has the dribble two package. Like there are not, I mean, KPJ's got a nice handle, sure, but like there are yeah. some very like just I'm gonna just say like very generic <laughs> dribblers on this Rockets team. Yeah, unfortunately, he, he's running in a straight line with a slight curve and then some. Sometimes he's able to kick it out. And in this instance, he found Josh Christopher for a wide open three. And that tied up the game. And then outside of that, he was getting offensive rebounds for dunks. He's getting found off of cuts again from Shane Goon. Had a nice slam that led to a timeout. So I'm loving the effort from KJ Martin. He played so well that Silas left him in the game and benched Deshaun Tate. So it's encouraging to see that, you know, KJ Martin can come in and play 26 minutes tonight and play amazing. As you, you highlighted his stats, he, he couldn't have played a better game in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, Josh Christopher, talking about the three off the K.J. Martin pass, Josh Christopher had a couple really timely threes in the fourth quarter, and I think that it's just one of those like positive signs for him, even though he he overall had kind of a, a quieter night, didn't, you know, n nothing really jumps off the page about it, and he didn't really have like any of those uh, kind of like insane like defensive highlights that we've kind of come become so accustomed to seeing from him. But it really kind of echoes back to what Steven Silas said about Josh Christopher being just a solid player, right? He he knows what his role is on the floor. And in those moments where the Rockets were moving the ball well, he just he spots up. And I think his that three ball of his has been the biggest surprise for me, kind of expecting him to I just I didn't think it was going to come around as quickly as it did. And now when Josh pulls the trigger on a three like I'm fairly confident going in like I usually feel pretty like let's be honest right when like when KJ Martin shoots a three you're kind of like eh, okay yeah, it's like exactly. even when it's a wide open shot you're like eh, maybe you would have liked to see him drive it in because he just he's not hitting it with the with a good enough frequency but when Josh pulls the three ball I'm fairly confident that, it, that he's gonna sink him right Josh Christopher I when he hit that first three I was like okay Josh I see you I see you in the second one it was nothing but net, as was the first one. You know, Josh has really been at a, a crazy clip. I'd have to look at his percentages, but it really just started off of that Brooklyn game when he went seven for seven on his birthday, and he was hitting everything. And then going past that, he just looked like an amazing shooter. You know, it, I didn't expect him to be a good shooter this soon, as you said. You know, the scouting report on him coming into the draft was that he needs to work on his jump shot. And John Lucas has really got him right, you know, really early into his career. So I'm hoping that he can – you know, just carry on with that going in, uh, forward with his career because I did not expect it this soon, and it's, it's really a blessing to see. I, I, and actually, I'll, I'll I'll throw that out there. It's not, not obviously like all the assistant coaches work with all the players, but Barbara Turner has really taken Josh Christopher kind of under her wing. Oh, wow. and so a lot of the growth that he has and that he has that he's shown can be attributed to Barbara Turner. She like she's kind of like that's 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 her guy, right? Is, is right, she, right, right. she's directly responsible for a lot of the development. And one thing you'll notice if you ever notice with the Rockets warmups, um, like when they're shooting pregame at like Toyota Center, you'll have certain assistant coaches matched up with certain players. And so you'll always see Barbara Turner matched up with with Josh Christopher more often than not, unless there's you know something you know weird going on. So she's usually out there when he's doing his warmups and kind of going through those drills with him. And so it's you know, just wanted to highlight that there. She's been a big part of his development so far in his career. But I do want to talk about there was a a, a weird, you know 
kind of situation with the officiating. There's a bit of some double standards in this game. Usually I'm not one to want to, you know, jump on the officials right away, which is why we're pushing this to segment three. Do it, But I do want to talk about the officiating a little bit, as well as Jalen Green and, you know, kind of some of the struggles that we saw from him in this game, but also some of the really big plays that we saw out of him, finding ways to impact the game, even when he's struggling offensively. We're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at betonline.ag. BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website where if you sign up today using promo code Locked On, you will get a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Again, that is a 50% welcome bonus when you use promo code Locked On. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, even your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022 bet online is, is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports bet online where the game starts And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, thank you so much for making Locked on Rockets your first listen each and every day. For your second listen, go check out Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Wherever you listen to this podcast, you can listen to Locked on Bets. Final thoughts from this Rockets-Warriors game. And first off, Brad, there was like, I felt like throughout this game, there were multiple, like, like, let's be, let's be real. Like the officiating was a little like frustrating at times before we get in like the, to the Jalen green stuff. Like, I feel like he cannot buy a whistle from the refs. Like, it seems like a lot of times he'll drive to the rim, receive contact and just isn't getting a friendly whistle at all, unfortunately. And then specifically there was that one play where Steph Curry, like straight up, like elbowed KPJ and just you know common foul like no like no no whistle no no flagrant no anything and then later like we had the flagrant foul that was whistled for Garrison Matthews which like yeah like that should be a flagrant but my biggest thing man is always it's just the inconsistency with the refs right and i think that's the thing that bothers most nba fans is it's not like oh i don't feel like the rockets are getting screwed it's like i just want it to be called consistent like throughout the game and i think i feel like that's what most people want yeah, that's definitely what most people want. And you saw the inconsistencies today. Um, it's frustrating when you have, I want to say, Kevin Porter Jr. got smacked in the face by Stephen Curry after he got a deflection. They didn't even look at it. They didn't even think to consider that as a flagrant. And then when Stephen Curry gets hit, or, or whoever, who got hit in that situation, I forget. Was it Stephen Curry? It was, there was there was I mean there were moments later where Steph got uh, you know got got hit and got fat, you know made right, it to the free right. throw line. But it's just it's one of those where it's like you know, superstar calls versus like, you know, the young player, like, I don't know what the dynamic is, but it's just, it's frustrating because it's sh- the game shouldn't feel like there's a disparity because of the refs. And that's what largely it boils down to is the problem sometimes. Yeah. I feel like sometimes these players have to earn their respect from referees. You have to get like superstar calls. And that's always been my least favorite thing about the NBA. There should be no such thing as a superstar call. You see it with LeBron all the time. They're just this call it fair both ways. It doesn't matter who the player is. If it's a flagrant, it's a, if it's then it's a flagrant. You know, this point blank period. But you, we see those inconsistencies today. It was frustrating. We saw Jalen driving to the rim. He wasn't getting any calls. And we saw that in Jalen's first five career games. He wasn't getting any whistles. He didn't get a free throw until his fifth game, I think, against the Jazz. But tonight, I will say, I'm I'm happy that he was driving to the paint so consistently. I mean, that's his game. Get to the paint, draw fouls. He had been drawing fouls at a good rate previously. You know, in recent games. 
But tonight it just wasn't happening. You know, the 0 for 11 game, it's rough to look at. But I will say I'm happy that he's consistently driving to the paint. And I think that's where he's going to get his bread and butter from. Uh, the three-point shot needs to fall, of course. But I'm, I'm happy he's taking it to the paint uh, very strongly. You know, and I think with Jalen, too, it's, you know, you look at that 0 and 11 game, right? And you're kind of like, you know, it's it's not pretty to look at. We're going to be upfront about it. Right. But it's still another growing opportunity for him. And I don't think, you know, I think the worst thing that can happen to this is you overreact. Right. And frankly, I love what Steven Silas did and his decision to put Jalen back out there, despite his struggles in this one. Right. Like he already went through being benched at the end of the jazz game. And mm -hmm. when, when I asked Steven Silas about that pregame before this one, about that being the second time that Jalen wasn't on the floor in, in, you know, with a close game, the, the first, which being earlier this season against the Denver Nuggets, the Rockets wound up actually losing that game. Um, Steven went into a really detailed answer. I mean, he, he talked for about a minute and a half, like after I finished my question and he basically highlighted the fact that, look, it's no big deal. It's a delicate situation. Jalen understands, right. And Jalen wants to win as bad as anybody else on this roster. And if, you know, there's somebody else that's, you know, giving the team a better chance to win at the end of a close game. And if Jalen just doesn't have it that night, then, you know, he's not going to get any hurt feelings. If Steven Silas puts in another guy, these are all competitors. They all want to win. And, so hearing that from Steven Silas, knowing that he and Jalen are on the same page, that he's had conversations with him after the fact about making that decision, I think it kind of shows that in this game, right, he he went back to him. He said, look, I know you've struggled, but he gave him that opportunity to potentially, right, to hit a big shot or to make a big play. And he did make two big plays, right? So we saw it against the, the Utah Jazz. We saw the offensive rebound late, uh, you know, helping to seal the game. But then against the Warriors, we saw him get two offensive rebounds late. The first of which he got, drove it back in, and then got the kind of shovel pass off to Christian Wood, and Christian Wood finished at the rim. That actually wound up being the Rockets' last successful bucket, unfortunately, before they went scoreless down the stretch of this game. And then we also saw him get another successful offensive rebound down the stretch. And so finding those ways for him to impact the game, I think it's those moments that are going to be huge for him, for him to be able to learn and grow. And Steven Silas even said that tonight, uh, talking about, you know, the, the way that, you know, Green was impacting the game at the end, he had the offensive board, and then it was like a possession or two later, right? He had that really good contest on Steph Curry. I don't know if they ruled it a block or if it was just like a really, like, you know, good contest on the on the shot. Um, but Steven Silas said those are moments that he can focus on. Those are the moments that he needs to grow. And so I think Steven Silas kind of made that, like, concerted decision to just, you know what, I already benched Jalen once. I know he doesn't have it going tonight, but I'm going to give him a shot to do something here at the end of this game. Yeah, I was happy to see that from Steven Silas. You know, I wasn't upset about it last game because Garrison Matthews played 19 straight minutes to close against the Utah Jazz just because he was on fire. And that ultimately came at Jalen Green not seeing any fourth quarter minutes or time in the clutch. But as for today, him throwing out his young guy to get that experience, you know, that's really that's really good on Steven Silas because, you know, Jalen Green did come in. You know, he had a, probably the, the worst game of his career so far, and he was able to impact it in little ways. I do want to say that was a block shot. I don't know if they ruled it one, but it was a great contest nonetheless. It's a great defensive possession there. And then his ability to get offensive rebounds and sky high, that last one in the last 20 seconds, that man gets up and he got that offensive rebound, you know, came to the stoppage. That's a really big play. And then him missing the corner three and then getting the rebound, dishing off to Christian Wood for the bucket, another impressive play. But I think Jalen Green being in the game in these clutch moments, it'll be great for him to learn. It's all learning experiences. And the Rockets have been really good in the clutch this season. So they're going to have a lot of opportunities to have these clutch moments because they're playing better basketball now. So I can see a lot of these games starting to be a lot closer. I think Jalen Green's going to become more comfortable. 
And we'll see moments like him against the Lakers earlier in the season where he hit that step back over Anthony Davis. Because I know Jalen Green, I feel like he's a clutch player at the end of the day. And I think we're going to see some moments like that, like that Lakers game uh, towards the end of the season. We've seen more than enough flashes from Jalen so far. I I think that if anybody, if you're listening to this podcast, if you're watching it on YouTube, whatever, look, I need you to back away from the panic button, right? Like, I feel like Rockets fans get so antsy and, you know, you get a couple bad games and suddenly everybody's like ready to jump ship off number two overall pick. No, this kid is so talented and he's going to get it figured out. It's okay that he's going to have a couple rough games, right? Because he's going to be able to go back and look at these games and figure out what's, you know, what's slowing him down. What's, why are the shots not falling, right? Why, you know, this one's rough because he was 0-5 from three. He didn't hit anything inside the arc. Like it's really tough all around game, but it's not like we haven't seen games like this from Jalen before where he has the three ball going, but he can't get any luck inside or the inverse where he's able to like feast at the rim, but can't get the three ball to fall. And then we've also seen the handful of games where he's got it all going right. The three is falling. He's getting to the rim. He's slicing and dicing through the defense. He's getting in transition. And so we've seen more than enough flashes out of him that you shouldn't be hitting the panic button. You shouldn't be worried about him. It's a bad game. He's going to adjust and he's going to recover and it'll be a learning opportunity for him and for Steven Silas to sit down, look at film and figure out where he can grow and improve. But something that I did want to highlight here, Brad, before we close things out, just kind of a couple, you know, thought random kind of thoughts about this game to throw in here at the end. We talked about, you know, the ball movement from the second unit earlier, and you highlighted the fact that you think it's, you know, kind of Shingoon is one of the reasons for that. I think it's, you're, you're on the money with that because, Right, the way they utilize Shingun at times, one, I, I think at times they aren't moving enough when Shingun is out there. Sometimes, like when he gets the ball, like on the low block, sometimes it does kind of become stationary, and guys are almost like questioning, like, should I cut? Should I not cut? Like, am I waiting for him to make his move? That kind of thing. But the movement for me really kicks in when they have Shingun on the perimeter, running those DHO sets where you've got like one guy coming off the, you know, curling off the corner. He runs up, comes up for the dribble handoff, gets the pass, you know, from Shingun, gets kind of a, you know, a little screen off of him. And then maybe the shot's not there, right? And then it's like, okay, dribble, rescreen for the next one. And they like, it's almost like they do it like in quick succession, right? So like first guy, Armani comes around the screen. Okay, shot's not there. Next guy, Garrison comes off the screen. Okay, it's not there. Dribble, handoff, reset. And that kind of forces the defense and the Rockets offense and players to rotate around the perimeter. Don't want to hit my mic flying around, whatever. Um, but that kind of forces motion into the offense. And I do think that's one of the reasons that we've seen that second unit have so much success. And a f- the second point that I want to throw into that, and this is something that Steven Silas kind of highlighted when talking about KPJ's assists and you know how the last two games, the 16 assists, only two turnovers, the rotations are finally consistent. And I think that's something that is so huge because there was so much inconsistency with the rotations for the first part of the season. We're finally starting to see guys becoming comfortable with each other. They kind of understand the rotation patterns. Things are feeling really consistent in that regard. And that's kind of helping guys know like, okay, I'm on the floor with these guys right now. I know exactly where they want the ball. I know where they're going to be. I'm on the floor with Jay Sean or KJ. I know they're going to be cutting or looking to go in for an offensive board, things like that. Right? Exactly. And then, as for Steven Silas and having consistent rotations, that really goes back to last season. He wasn't able to get a consistent rotation the whole season. And so now that he's able to get one now, you know, it's really it's really key for him and for the rest of the guys on the roster that they get that cohesion together. And they've been looking a lot better, you know, especially with Shangun being at the top of the perimeter, everybody knowing their spots, knowing where to find people. And that was a great point you brought up. You know, I like Shangun on the low block just because he scores at a high frequency when he has the, the ball in the low post. But when he's at the top of the key, you know, when you mentioned it, I was like, yeah, he really does score 
and not score, but he really does find open people more times than not when he's at the top of the key. And that's why people like to draw comparisons to not comparisons, but they, they see flashes of Jokic in Shangun's game because he's so efficient at the top of the key and even in the post, just finding players. So I'm really, yeah, I think you put up a great point with that. You know, I just hope these guys are able to stay consistent. You know, they're able to, you know, <laughs> oh, I, I tripped up there. Can we cut that? No, we, we don't, don't cut, cut in this podcast. What are you talking about? Cut. We don't cut. I don't there, there is no cut in this podcast. You don't get tripped up on anything. Keep going. This, this is right. how we do this podcast. For sure. No, I was definitely just going to say Shangun at the top of the key. He's killing it. I hope that they just remain consistent. Hopefully nobody gets hurt and they'll be fine then. But um, I will say Shangun, when he's in the post, he, they went to him a lot today and he had a really bad first three quarters. But in the fourth quarter, he was really killing it. Um, I mean, he had that that turnaround jumper that was beautiful. There were some times where he had like a he, he had tried to hit a post hook and he missed it. But I think more times than not, I'm happy that Silas kept going to him. You know, it's, it's about that consistency with him. They need to run the offense through him, as Ryan Hollins always says on the broadcast. Just run the offense through him because he's going to do really well. So they need to I keep do doing like, that. I do, I do like the – I think it kind of feeds into like that consistency, right? Because you can't just – especially with a young player with his confidence like Shingun, you can't just, you know, give him like the one post up and then, oh, he missed it. Okay, we're not, we're not going to go back to him, right? So – it is that steady diet of allowing him the multiple opportunities, get him, you know, in the low post once, get him, you know, at the high post, get him on the, on the, on the perimeter. But I think that's something that Rockets fans need to consider is when they're, you know, when people are like, we want more Shingun, like understand that the, those dribble handoff sets that we just highlighted right there on the perimeter, that is Shingun running the offense, right? Because especially right. when you have Shingun at the top of the key, and he's deciding which direction he's going to go. When he first gets the basketball, he takes a quick dribble either to the right or a quick dribble to the left. He decides the direction the offense is going to go in those moments. He's looking at matchups. He's reading and deciding, okay, I want to go to a Garrison Matthews dribble handoff, so I'm going to power dribble right, and Garrison's going to run this way. It's those those pistol action sets that, those, that the Rockets run, and it's it's great to see that he has that like confidence from the coaching staff and that they trust him as a 19 year old to basically run the offense when he's in there for the second unit. Yeah. And they just need to keep running the offense through him because he's really excelling at that. He did it in Turkey. He's going to continue to do it in the NBA. That's just the kind of player that Shane Goon is. I always knew he was going to be special. I had him 10th on my big board and I was so happy when they grabbed him <laughs> and he's looked amazing. And uh, they just need to keep running it through him and running it through him consistently. I think they can run it through him more. There were some times where even if he had a bad play, Ryan Holmes was like, just go back to him. Keep going back to him. And that's what they need to do, it's especially tonight against the Warriors team that did not have a big that could guard him. You know, so they need to exploit those mismatches going forward. I'm not, you know, I'm not usually a, a big fan of like motivational victories or like moral victories. But I think that if you look at this Rockets team and kind of where they were at the start of the season to where they are now, like, they wouldn't have been able to keep this game close to start the season. Like they would have, you know, the, the Warriors would have come out and had that, you know, roaring strong, like third quarter and the Rockets probably would have folded and, and just, you know, maybe started hanging their heads a little bit or the, the mistakes would have started to compound. The turnovers would have racked up like all of that. And we didn't see that. I think this was, even though they lost, I think this was one of the most poised games that the Rockets had all season because they stuck to the game plan through the first half. They did a great job on Steph Curry. Even when Steph did start to hit some shots there in the third quarter, like they kept they kept to it. 
They responded really well at the top of the fourth quarter. And it's just unfortunate that late game execution, they got some, they got some good shots. They had a couple good shots in there. Steven Silas kind of said like, yeah, the shots were okay. He did right. highlight a couple of the really good ones that he did get the Christian Wood one that didn't go down the Garrison Matthews one that didn't go down. So they, it's not that they didn't have put themselves in a chance to win this game. Um, but I think you just have to be really proud of, of the fight that they put up and that this could be, you know, this can still be something to build on, even though it's a loss. Yeah. Ultimately, I look at this game as a positive. They're out there competing against the Golden State Warriors, and that's always a positive, especially coming from a team that's in the first year of their rebuild, right? And it's a really young team. And for them to go out there and put out this fight and hold the Warriors to 43 points in the first half and go down to the wire with them, even if the Warriors were depleted, you know, no Clay, Draymond, Aguadala, and the rest of the guys. It's still impressive to go out there and compete on the road against a good team like that. And just going forward, it's really, I think it's going to be good for the Rockets. They have a four-game rest until they go into San Antonio. They're going to be able to build off of that. And again, because now that they have consistency in the lineups, they're going to have more cohesion together and just going to continue to grow. So I'm excited for the, the growth of this roster and this team. Brad, I'm glad we were we were able to finally pull you on the podcast and get you on here. I'm sorry we didn't get to talk about a win. We still got to talk about a good game, though, because we saw right. a lot of really promising stuff out of this one. But do me a favor. Let our listeners know where they can track you down at. Yeah, you guys can track me down on Twitter at BradoNBA. That's B-R-D-D-E-A-U-X-N-B-A. So you can find me on there and writing articles. And I'm on Twitter spaces with the rest of the hosts, Don, Prod, Will, and Zeke. Uh, we're post-game two times a week on Twitter if you want to uh, catch some post-game thoughts there. But yeah. Yeah, if you're familiar with uh, Papado's, like that's that's how Brad throws in the Twitter at in there. So it's yes, spelled you know, <laughs> the exact same way. I don't know if there was exactly. any Papado's inspiration there, but uh, with that, Brad, I appreciate it. Thanks so much for stopping by, man. Of course. I appreciate you having me on. That's going to do it for today's episode. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, brand new Odyssey app, free and available on all platforms. Also, check out the Locked on Rockets YouTube channel. Go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets, like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. As always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.